0: All right, joining us now for Every Day as Earth Day is Laura Peterson. She is the executive director of the Living Earth Center here in Mankato. Good morning, Laura. Hi, good morning. So what exactly is the Living Earth Center for those who have never heard of it?
1: Oh, Living Earth Center is a nonprofit that's based here in Mankato uh, That, as uh, primary role, primary mission is to grow food, uh, to grow connection and to grow community. And those three things kind of fuse all together um, in the physical format of us running one of the largest community gardens in all of Minnesota, um, up at the School Sisters of Notre Dame Good Council Campus. Um, and then also, in addition to that, we've partnered with Blue Earth County um, to manage the Blue Earth County community farm. And so the idea behind what we do is to provide um, what I like to call community growing spaces. And we mean that in the literal sense of we actually grow food um, that um, if people are growing it for themselves, they can uh, you know, take that back to their families. Um, but we also grow food that we donate back into the local food economy um, and, and really try to help people um, grow, uh, whether that's uh, you know, growing the food, growing relationships with each other, um, and bringing people together to share common ground.
0: Well, how this, I figured, fits in with Every Day as Earth Day is the fact that you want to take care of Mother Earth. And that's kind of the impetus for what started the school sisters of doing this is let's take care of our planet and do what we can in the best ways that will help it be successful and sustainable.
1: Yeah, I think when we, when we often have the conversation um, about taking care of or Um, if if you're going to talk about climate change or something along those lines, or even the word sustainability, we often think about the environmental aspects of sustainability. Um, And what I really like about the way that we're approaching um, this concept is that we're looking at the integration and the interrelationship between not only environmental sustainability, taking care of, of Earth, but also taking care of each other. And I think that when you have sustainable, thriving communities, um, in which uh, various uh, people and ideas are able to grow and flourish. You also, and, and people are able to connect in a lot of different ways, and there's symbiotic relationships, if you will. Um, you, you, those two things kind of fuse into one when you have a, a, a good uh, and thriving social ecosystem that tees everything up for having more of an awareness and consciousness associated with a, a thriving environmental system, and. And all of these things are, are interrelated. Um, we know that <clears throat> with climate change, a lot of what we're seeing as far as environmental degradation is becoming a ma- major social issues. Um, we see it with regards to even this pandemic. Um, people who have been um, you know, impacted in disproportionate ways are oftentimes those that don't have as much representation at the, at the global table and at the um, community table. And so I think one of the ways of, of approaching all of this is really to to look at solutions in a collective way and ensuring that um, we understand that all of these things that are happening within our communities, healthy communities, are very interrelated. And so this is kind of a one-stop shop, as far as I'm concerned, with, with what we provide at Living Earth Center, where people can come together, and it doesn't matter the age, the background, socioeconomic background, race, religion, whatever that might be, The concept is that we're coming together to share something, to grow something, um, and to to create something that's good within this local ecosystem that we have here, if that makes sense. Laura,
0: you addressed that in your newsletter for your January newsletter from the Living Earth Center. It says, 2022 looking forward. As we begin 2022, we at Living Earth Center continue to adapt to an ever-changing landscape with different challenges and growth opportunities. The past two years have not been easy. But LEC is committed to facing the future with hope and resiliency bolstered in no small part by the support of the community around us. So you address that, Mm -hmm. and then you talk about you're so excited to be partnering with Blue Earth County to join Produce for Our Community Partners. And let's talk about that, because that's kind of a big deal. Let's start with how big your gardening... I know I was a part of the community garden years ago, and it's really grown from that time. So how have you been expanding and now into Blue Earth County. Yeah.
1: So um the, the idea behind that that collaboration um was really to be able to um kind of go into to, to a number of different uh directions as far as our mission goes. And you know one of those missions um is, is to to grow food, right? We we have we we want to to be able to approach um, aspects of food security in our community and be able to provide um, organically raised or grown produce um, to a lot of people that maybe wouldn't have access to it and there there is an access problem that we have in this community it's it's you know widespread throughout the united states um, but it, it exists here in in mankato as well and um, what i like to say is we're in the business of growing we're in the business of being able to um, <clears throat> have the space to grow food in a way that's healthy um, not just for um, the the people who are growing it but also for the environment. And so. Um, we thought that this, this would be a really good opportunity um, to be able to take what the, the county, Blue Earth County has already been doing and be able to kind of put a, a living or spin on it um, <clears throat> and and kind of help bolster what that means. And so in addition to just growing food that is raised by volunteers, and I do wanna make a quick uh, note here that um, all of the, the produce that was raised at the Blue Earth County uh, Community Farm last year was all done through volunteer help. And so we are always looking for volunteers to come out um, and to do what I call some of the dirty work, right? Like sometimes it's uh, weeding, um, sometimes it's watering, sometimes it's digging, sometimes it's dump- dumping manure. And, mm-hmm. and not to say that, I mean, these are like the behind the scenes jobs in terms of what is needed to be able to bring food to the Echo Food Shelf and feeding our community partners. So, so we have that aspect of it. But there's also this other really cool aspect that we're currently working on. Um, which is really to see where there are gaps in the local food economy as far as access goes. And So if there are certain foods that are um, important to different communities um, that are either culturally relevant or that they haven't been able to, to get at some of the, whether it's grocery stores or um, the, the co-ops or um, you know some of the food security organizations that they work with um, or even some of the food shelves, we want to see if there's a way in which, A, we can um, have people come in and grow what it is that they're not seeing and, and maybe bring it home to the to their families, B, the possibility of um, having them grow it, and then maybe have a connection to the farmer's market to be able to actually participate in that local food economy, or C, we have an opportunity to grow it uh, with volunteer help from our community um, so that if something like... Uh, You know, cilantro is not something that is usually seen in these places or bitter melon or it's not cost effective. It's not something that someone can go in and and actually buy. Um, We're able to kind of fill those niche gaps within that local food system. And so I think that's where um, Living Your Center is is uniquely positioned to be able to do that. In addition to the community garden that we already run, um, we're able to kind of look at this concept of of not only food access, but food justice and, and how that ties into this concept of community um, that um, makes sure that everybody is welcome and everyone, uh, you know, has a place at that table, if that makes sense.
0: Laura, on the top, on the hilltop where the school sisters are, you have a number of plots. How many people are working with those plots? And I know it's it's yeah. folks, a lot of them do that for their own gardening and they pay, a, I think it's sliding Fee scale in this terms sliding of sliding scale, yeah. yeah.
1: How many are doing so we that? We have about 120 community gardeners and their families that garden up there, um, along with a number of organizations that we partner with, um, including um, we we partnered last year with Minnesota State University College of Allied Health and Nursing to have an engagement garden for mm-hmm. people with dementia and their caregivers. So so they have a plot. Um, we had we partnered last year. Um, with a, a group of veterans um, and through um, uh, Southern Minnesota um, Center for Agricultural Excellence to have a plot specifically for veterans um, that could come together along with programming. Um, the the kids at my place, Mankato my place, have a garden club and they have a garden spot there as well. So in addition to having individuals and families that have these, these 120 plots, we have a number of other organizations that we... You know partner with in order to um, make sure that if there's a, a need for um, you know some of these uh, you know some of the clients that they serve that they have a, an actual space to come in and either do programs or experience the garden itself so that's that's an exciting thing um, with regards to the sliding scale the thing that we always like to say is that nobody is turned away for the inability to pay um, <clears throat> so it is a sliding scale But we want to make sure that everyone has an opportunity. If they want, if there is a spot to grow something or an open slot, that we want to to invite them. And uh, the price should not be an issue. So we do offer scholarships. So nobody has ever been turned away for their inability to pay. Um, And then in addition to that, gardeners have um, you know options to participate in a a number of different events that we host. Um, And so we host anything from like gardening events all the way to workshop, education workshops about soil health. Um, we do conferences. Um, we do a number of different, um, you know, uh, activities that kind of help to engage through education and learning. Um, and so it's just this really dynamic space that's not just about growing food, but it's also about making sure that people have an, uh, an opportunity to connect in some way in a social level. Now you've ex- Partnered
0: with Blue Earth County, so where are you expanding to then in terms of the uh, the new plots that you'll be working with?
1: Yep. So we have the the community garden space, which is about two two acres, two and a half acres on Good Council Hill, and that's that's in existence. And then the Blue Earth County Community Farm, which we broke ground at last year, this past summer, is located right off of Indian Lake Road right out if you're going towards Mount Cato so it's it's right along the Red Jacket Trail and what's really exciting about that is currently we've even planted a couple of fruit bearing trees as well as raspberry bushes and things along those lines but the idea is if people are walking along that path that Red Jacket path they saw some raspberries that they that were ripe they they could they could pick those our idea in the future is for there to be a food forest for anybody if they just came to say hi to the farm or walking along if there's apples or pears or anything that's fresh and available that they would have the ability to to pick it up right there as well
0: will there also be Um, plots that will be leased out to people so you can have your own individual plot there or will that be operating differently than what was on the hill
1: it's gonna be operating a little bit differently. Um, I would say that in the future if we if we see that we can't meet our waitlist need up at the Good Council site, that could potentially be an option. Our big idea with regards to this is to make sure that we're meeting the the needs of food insecurity within our local area. So we're able to do that. But that's not to say that there isn't a potential for people to actually be able to rent out spots in the future. The other piece is that we're really looking at how we can support the possibility of support emerging farmers, people that maybe don't have access to land, that want to grow crops that they, they wouldn't be able to, to grow otherwise. And then the you know with the possibility of participating into the, the local food market here. So right now we're in the, the beginning phases of that, the budding phase. This is a new growing space. It hasn't been cultivated before. And so we have a lot of work to do in order to get the soil prepped to make sure that we can support having a lot more people come in and utilize it. But but i like to say is it's a it's a budding phase i mean the the way in which this can grow there's so many different opportunities and so we're just in this really exciting space right now to kind of be able to ask the community what is needed and start to have conversations about how we could potentially help support filling those gaps and meeting those needs in some way
0: in your newsletter you say, we are excited to be implementing sustainable soil management techniques at the community farm, including rotational cover crops, a food forest, carbon building mulch, and possible small livestock additions. So I love that you're going to work toward sustainability and carbon reduction. Could you talk a little bit more about that and how you're going to be implementing that?
1: Yeah, I mean, as um, for many of those of you in the audience that that know about having a, a brand new growing space or a new space that hasn't been cultivated, uh, sometimes the the soil is at a place where it needs just a little bit of extra oomph and yes. a little bit more tender loving care, and so we know that this is going to be a long game. This isn't going to be something that is um, done immediately, or you know, have have perfect soil over time. And so, really, what we're looking at is an opportunity to really learn how this this concept of rotational cover crops. Um, you know, that we've we've talked to a number of different farmers in the area. Um, many who are, are participants in the Sustainable Farming Association, uh, the land stewardship, they they already have experience in rotational cover crops um, who have kind of come down and said, okay, here, here are some ideas that we have as far as making sure that you can add different things into the soil that will help with the nutrient base that have maybe larger root bases that can break up some of the, the hard pan soil that's there. Um, and so really what I like about it is it's an experimental kind of place that we're in where we can try these different things. Um, we also worked with the city of Mankato to get a lot of leaves delivered. Um, there are so many leaves. I can't even tell
0: No, that's if wonderful. You drive by, there's
1: a <laughs> huge pile. Yep. And so what's really neat is that we're able to work with a number of different um, organizations, including, I should mention, um, Mankato Zero Waste. We partner with them actually work with the, the composting program that they have helped get going in this community, and we were able to get compost in partnership with Mankato Area Zero Waste. So it's this really neat kind of inter interloop system of how can we utilize the resources that we have here. Um, we've partnered with a number of different tree trimming companies to get wood chips as well. They often need a place to drop their wood chips, and we have a space to be able to do that, and we utilize those wood chips in our pathways, we utilize them for, um, you know, building carbon in that soil. And so, what's really neat is we're tapping into all of these different resources that are here in Mankato, and kind of utilizing all of those resources in order to, to grow that soil. And the hope is over time that that soil will become rich and nutrient, have a lot of nutrients in it, so that we can grow a lot more than, than what we've been able to in the past. It's a really exciting time frame and it takes a lot of work. Why, so I, again, I mentioned that. We need volunteers, and we are interested in community support, but it it really is an exciting time.
0: I'll never forget when we did our first year up at the community gardens. It was a plot that had never been worked before, and of course, in order to do it the right way, you don't just take a plow in there. We took a a fork spade and turned it over ourselves, and the soil was very poor. So after a Mm -hmm. few years of adding, amending it, it finally started producing better but it takes time and i know one thing yep. that that they did was bring in loads of compost if any of your
1: listeners have any other ideas or or resources as far as organic compost goes in the area we'd be really keen on on developing some of those partnerships it is one of those things that you know over time you you do start to notice how much how different it is i would say now, at a lot of the, the plots at Good Council, probably in the same location that you were, mm-hmm. you don't even really need to turn the soil over anymore um, because there's been so much organic matter that's been laid down for some people. We offer leaves and everything like that. And so I think what's really exciting is we're in a position to be able to show a lot of people who maybe don't know that much about sustainable or regenerative soil practices to say, here is here's where we're starting, and you can see that this is soil that... It's not completely dead and it's it's not totally awful, but it needs some care. It needs to be amended. And so we can really show this concept of before to after and talk a lot about how even having a winter cover crop or something or spring cover crop can really do a lot of impact as far as aeration in your soil, as far as, you know, building that nutrients, you know, building nutrients in your soil. Right now we have a cover crop that we planted late on, tiller radish that's, that's in there, I think we planted uh, vetch and maybe winter rye, mm-hmm. and so the whole idea is that those crops grow, and then sometimes we're, you're able to actually like cut them or mow them, and you leave those cuttings there, and then they obviously die down and are decomposed into the soil. What's really neat about those tiller radish is that they have long growth stems that go deep, deep rooted into the into the ground, and they're really good at aerating and breaking apart that soil, especially, especially the especially clay it's hard. But yeah, yeah the clay, clay is, is tough. So we're we're in that that process of growing and learning. And one of the things that I've heard, it's a, maybe it's a famous term, I don't know. Someone wise once told it to me, said that there's there's no such thing as a mistake in gardening. Um, <laughs> just experiments. Oh yeah. So you know we try some things out and we learn and say, well, that didn't work very well. But the the idea is that it it can be a learning ground. It can be an educational space for people to come and share some ideas that maybe they have, learn a little bit, and then in addition to that, you know, feel like they have something to contribute to the, to the community as a whole. Last year we raised produce that was then donated to feeding our community partners in the Echo Food Shelf. We raised herbs. That the food shelf specifically asked for because a lot of their clients maybe don't have access to that specific things, and so I think it's just a it's a neat space that is unique. You know, the county has had this in the past, and and like I said, we're able to kind of put the Living Earth Center kind of spin on on what all is there, and it's so it's a really exciting collaboration, and we're we're grateful that we have the ability to do that with the county and for the community. And the idea would be that over the years. Maybe not the the total poundage is as important as maybe the market value. I think that's a big thing that we oftentimes kind of overlook. Is you know we can donate fifty pumpkins and fifty <laughs> pumpkins can go a long way.
0: But um, but that that
1: poundage isn't maybe as important as the nutrient value of say yeah. you know green beans. And again, like I said, these other market type of crops like herbs, things like cilantro. Cilantro is very expensive, and it's something that is sometimes hard to buy. It's expensive to buy. It's easy to grow. Yeah, easy to grow. Yeah. Dill as well. I will just tell everybody out there, if you need dill before <laughs> buying fresh dill from anywhere, please contact yeah. me because we have an abundance of dill at the community garden that I would be happy to give you. <laughs>
0: are there so. still spots available for folks? I know a lot of times up on the hill, those spots are already spoken for. So are there any available? Yeah.
1: We're going to find out more. I would say by the beginning of March, we'll have an idea of how many returning gardeners are going to come back. Usually we do have a wait list, but what I will say is that if people register early and and registration will be open, it's just that we won't start to uh, give people spots until we know that all of the return gardeners have Mm -hmm. basically said if they're coming back or not. But I would say by the beginning of March, possibly into mid-March, people will know whether or not we have available. We've been able to accommodate our waitlist for every year that I've been here which has been the last five years. So I think if, if people are interested, even if they don't have gardening experience, that's the thing that I want to say. It's a welcome place for people who, who really maybe are saying, well hey you know I, I've never tried this before but I just want to I, I just want to give it a shot and this is a really safe space to do that. We have a lot of people that have a lot of knowledge and we are happy to share that knowledge. And so I just want to make sure that that's reiterated. You don't have to have a green thumb in order to participate, whether that's at the community garden or volunteer at the community farm. The whole idea behind it is that we, we want people to come out. We want them to try. We want them to connect with the land, connect with deeper meaning within themselves, and then also connect with each other. This is really an example. That these places are really an example of what is possible. And it's, it's really fascinating because a lot of people have said During the pandemic, having this garden space or the community farm, being able to show up and participate in a group activity, socially distanced and outside was something that they really looked forward to. And I think for a lot of people, it was a saving grace. That's really maybe doesn't have the quantitative story behind it, but it has the story that I think is, is really important as far as meaning. It, it gives it meaning. And so I think that, you know, we invite people to come and join us, even if it's just coming to a workshop or a an event that we offer. Right now, we're offering all of our events online.
0: Was glad you brought that up because I know something that is coming up soon is a part of a winter reading series. And it sounds like an extremely interesting topic. It's called The Future Earth. It's a book that shows readers how to reverse the short and long-term effects of climate change over the next three decades. And it talks about the basic of climate science being easy. We know it's entirely human-caused, which means its solutions will be similarly human-led. And so Let's chat a little bit about this book, a book club, kind of, where everybody reads the same book.
1: Yeah, what we discovered is that sometimes people want to connect on these greater ideas, bigger concepts surrounding everything from from climate action to, to justice in general. And so this book series that we're doing... That includes it's the three part. the The first book is going to be this, you know, the, this upcoming book that you just mentioned. We're also going to be doing the Seed Keeper uh, next month. And the idea behind this is, I, I should say, for Future Earth, is really that the conversation about climate change. Is less about science. Of course, it's about it is about science, yes, but it's less about science and more about justice. There's actionable items like there are ways in which you can feel hope instead of just total depression. And I think that this book does a fairly good job of kind of applying a roadmap for ways in which we can start to rethink how we want to emerge. I was just in Colorado over the winter break. That's where I'm originally from, and of course, Colorado had this massive forest fire that was not in the forest. It was in a neighborhood, a developed neighborhood, and it happened within literally minutes. Uh, people did not have time to re- really even get out of their homes and, the, and with the amount of warning that's necessary. And this is as a direct result of major, major drought conditions that are linked to the, the climate changing. Um, and so I think what is really, really important about this book is it's saying this is about humans being impacted in, a, in, in oftentimes disproportionate ways. Uh, groups that are already marginalized, people who are disabled or low-income communities, indigenous communities, and uh, communities of color are really seeing the the larger impacts of a lot of these climate disasters, human beings. Laura, um,
0: we're just about you know. out of time, so I want to ask you, how can people get hooked up, connected with this reading series, The the Future Earth Absolutely. of which starts January
1: yep. 25th. Is that the right yep. date? January 25th at 6 o'clock, and it is online. It's, it's via Zoom. People can go one of two ways. They can go to Eventbrite and actually type in Living Earth Center, or I think it's called the Winter Reading Series, or they can go to our website, and that's www.livingearthcentermn.org. It's free, free of charge. That's another important thing.
0: Laura Peterson, the Executive Director of Living Earth Center, thank you so much for taking the time to visit with us today.
1: Thank you so much for taking the time, and uh, thank you for for the community for all the, all the good work that you all are doing as well. It's, it's a good place to be. So thank thanks you. so much. We really appreciate
0: it. All right. Bye-bye. Every Day is Earth Day is supported by Minnesota Valley Federal Credit Union.